Well, good morning, church. Happy Mother's Day to you moms out there. Since it is Mother's Day, we're going to do a special kind of a Mother's Day, Everybody's Day sermon this morning. And so, if you have your Bibles, turn to uh, uh, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 15. We're going to be looking at verses 21 through 28. If you need a Bible, John, the famous cook for the women's prayer break or brunch yesterday, will pass out Bibles to you. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 15, verses 21 through 28 this morning. We read, starting in verse 21, Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. The title of my message this morning is A Mom of Great Faith. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this time that we can spend in your word. Thank you, Lord, as we dig into your word. You have something to say to each one of us here uh, in the church, Lord. Uh, you know what's going on in our lives personally. And so, Lord, we just want to be open to hear, to receive from you, that you would just speak to our hearts this morning, that... Uh, We'd be open to receive. Lord, we do pray if there's anyone that is here that is yet to surrender their heart and life to you today. They're not born again. Lord, would you especially speak to their heart, their lives, that they would see their need for you and turn to you this morning. Thank you for our time together. We ask you to bless it now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I found this little poem called, I Wish I Were a Mama Bear. It goes like this. If you're a bear, you get to hibernate. You do nothing but sleep for six months. I could get used to that. And another thing, before you hibernate, you're supposed to eat yourself stupid. That wouldn't bother me either. If you're a mama bear, everyone knows you mean business. You swat anyone who bothers you or your cubs. If your cubs get out of line, you swat them too. Your husband expects you to growl when you wake up. He expects you to have hairy legs and excess body fat. He likes it. I wish I were a bear. One more. This one's called Somebody. Somebody said it takes about six weeks to get back to normal after you've had a baby. Somebody doesn't know that once you're a mother, normal is history. Somebody said you'll learn how to be a mother by instinct. Somebody never took a three-year-old shopping. Somebody said being a mother is boring. Somebody never rode in a car driven by a teenager with a driver's permit. Somebody said, if you're a good mother, your child will turn out good. Somebody thinks the child comes from, with directions and a guarantee. Somebody said, good mothers never raise their voices. Somebody never came out to the back door just in time to see her child hit a golf ball through the neighbor's kitchen window. Somebody said, you don't need an education to be a mother. Somebody never helped a fourth grader with his math. 
Somebody said you can't love the second child as much as you love the first. Somebody doesn't have two children. Somebody said a mother can find all the answers to her child-rearing questions in the books. Somebody never had a child stuff beans up, beans up his nose or in his ears. Somebody said the hardest part of being a mother is labor and delivery. Somebody never watched her baby get on the bus for the first day of kindergarten or in a plane headed for a military boot camp. Somebody said a mother can do her job with her eyes closed and one hand tied behind her back. Somebody never organized seven giggling Girl Scouts to sell cookies. Somebody said a mother can stop worrying after a child gets married. Somebody never doesn't know that marriage adds a new son or daughter-in-law to a mother's heart swings, the strings. Somebody said a mother's job is done when her last child leaves home. Somebody never had grandchildren. And finally, somebody said your mother knows you love her, so you don't need to tell her. Somebody isn't a mother. Today, of course, is Mother's Day. And we are so thankful for our moms, are we not? It's a, the most appropriate time uh, of the year to honor and to remember and to recognize some of the many things they, they do for us, they did for us. In fact, we are commanded by God to honor them. It's one of God's top ten. Honor your, your father and your mother. But also in the words of Paul the Apostle, I believe it's our reasonable service to do so because our moms did so much for us, especially in our younger years with their guiding hand and their words of wisdom. In fact, we depended upon our moms uh, for absolutely everything at one point in our lives. Now, I have fond memories of, of my mother, great memories of her and her love for Jesus, and the fact that she was able to raise six children uh, from ages, you know, newborn to eight years old after my father passed away uh, is amazing. I was just three, and, and especially after raising my own kids, I go, man, how did you do that, Mom? It's amazing. So on Mother's Day, we can't say enough good things about our moms. But let me say this. Mother's Day isn't just about those who have had children. It's for all women. I think we should call it Women's Day. Because even though not all women can have children, all women have the gifting or the ability to raise children. That is, there are many women who, who don't physically bear children. They're actually better in looking out for the well-being of children than some natural moms do. Some of the best teachers, social workers, uh, medical people, church workers, or those women who've naturally, uh, natu- who have actually never suffered the pains of childbirth, yet have impacted the lives of millions of children. Paul, in writing to the Galatians, said this in Galatians 4.27, For it is written, Rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear, break forth and shout, you who are not in labor, for the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband." And I know that speaks to the Jews and the Gentiles, but, but it perfectly fits with those women, again, who never, never actually suffered the pains of childbirth and yet have impacted the lives of millions of children all over the world. With that said, however, God has given moms all throughout His Word encouragement and direction of what it means to be a godly mother, a loving wife, and to raise godly children. Because I know as a mom, I, I've seen it, it can be tough. The financial demands right now that are placed on moms because of the economy can be overwhelming. How do you you stretch the groceries to last that extra few days? Maybe you're a mom that's just plain overwhelmed with all the responsibilities of being a mom. Keeping the house clean, getting the laundry done, doing all these things, or being a a grandma. Maybe that's heavy on you because you want just the best for your grandkids. Listen, God will give you the strength because He understands You just need to have faith in His Word and faith in His power. 
That's the story we have before us this morning. We have an account about a mother who has a problem that no man can solve. She no doubt has tried everything humanly possible. Having heard about what Jesus could do, she decides to go see him in hopes that he might be able to meet her need. But when she gets to Jesus, it seems as though everything is going against her. After a quick read of the story, it almost appears at first sight that Jesus is not even giving her the time of day. As though he, he doesn't even acknowledge her presence. And then when he does speak to her, he calls her a dog. Listen, what we're going to discover was the fact that he was not seeking to destroy her faith, but rather to develop it. He was not playing games with her, nor was he trying to make the situation more difficult. He was simply seeking to draw her faith out. He knew that she would effectively rise to the challenge and stand as an example to not only moms, but believers everywhere of what it means to have faith. If you're taking notes, we're going to see three things this morning. We're going to look at three areas this morning. We're going to see a desperate mom, a determined mom, and a delighted mom. First, a desperate mom. Look at verses 21 and 22. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. So we find the story of a desperate mom. Verse 22 tells us that she was a woman of Canaan. So right off the bat, she had two things against her. First, she was a woman. And secondly, she wasn't Jewish. She was a non-Jew. Now, because the Jewish nation was predominantly a male culture, there was a distinct line that was drawn as to what woman can do and what man can do. A man, for example, was not allowed to speak to a woman in public. In fact, it was grounds to divorce to find your wife talking in public. Discrimination against women was so bad that there is this group, according to one commentator, these were these religious leaders that had formed this group called the Bruised and Bleeding Pharisees. And they would, when they would walk about in the city or walk about in the marketplace, if they saw a woman, they would cover their eyes. And the result is they would, they would crash into things, you know. And so they would sit around and, and compare their scars and their bumps and their bruises and say, look at Rabbi so-and-so, he's so bumped up, what a man of God. So not only was she a woman, but we read that she was a woman of Canaan. Again, that means she was a non-Jew, a Gentile. Mark tells us that she was from the Syrophoenician race. That may not seem that important to us today, but it helps us to understand what the story is saying. A lot of conflict going on back then between the Jews and the non-Jews, a deep prejudice, a division between them. God had certainly established a special covenant with the Jewish people. They were chosen by Him, blessed by Him. But the Jews were supposed to be a light to the Gentiles, which meant they were to to share the blessing of this covenant with non-Jewish people. But some of these false teachers within their faith has misconstrued it and taught Jews to to have no contact with non-Jews and even to hate them. So this is a scenario. We have this woman coming along who's a non-Jew. The disciples did not embrace her. Good Jewish boys, they wouldn't have anything to do with, with a woman like that. No doubt she was probably a worshiper of false gods. Being, of, again, the Syrophoenician race, that meant she might have worshipped the false goddess Asherah and other pagan deities in that region. Could be the reason why her daughter was in the state she was in. But I know this, and you know this. Whenever you're a parent and your child is sick, it hurts you. I know we would gladly pass the suffering from them onto ourselves. 
when you've exhausted all your resources and you're just watching your child suffer, maybe that, that fever is going up or that congestion is getting worse or, or they just, just can't breathe. At that point, you do almost anything to relieve them of this pain. But notice what this, what this woman does. First, she cries out in verse 22, Have mercy on me, O Lord. And that's really how Jesus wants us to come to Him, acknowledging who He is. He is Lord. But secondly, know that she comes to Jesus because she knows where to turn. Today we don't see it. You know, instead of turning to Jesus, moms turn to all sorts of other areas. And, 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 and uh, when, when struggles happen, a lot of moms, they get angry at God because, he, uh, because of the adversity that comes their way. And maybe, maybe they, they turn against God instead of coming to Him. But that's the worst place to be. Because Jesus wants to work in our lives. He wants to move in our hearts. And He wants to show His strength and His power in our lives through those problems, through those trials we go through. But we need to come to Him with them. So this woman came to Jesus in humility. Have mercy on me, O Lord. The object of her faith was God. She believed that, that, that God could do something that no one else could do. Listen, faith is only as good as the object you place it in. You can't, just can't have... Faith and faith. Oh, I got faith. What do you have faith in? I have faith and faith. Great. <laughs> you know, faith in an unfaithful person is worthless faith. But notice who she has faith in. She cries out, Son of David. She comes to Jesus referring to him as the promised Messiah of the Jews. She knows, but she also knows she doesn't have to become Jewish to get help. We're not saved by becoming Jewish. We're saved by grace through faith. Our only hope is the pure grace of God. We come claiming nothing else but the fact that we're sinners in desperate need of a Savior. Notice that this woman, she was hurting. Why? Well, we read, because her daughter had an unclean spirit. She says, my daughter is severely demon-possessed. That word for daughter there means darling little girl. My darling little girl is severely demon-possessed. She was her pride and she was her joy. That word for, for severely demon-possessed, in the New American Standard, she was cruelly demon-possessed. In the Old King James, she was grievously vexed with a devil. This is horrible. Probably meant that, that the demon was manifesting itself in some kind of immoral conduct in a child. Horrible situation. This mom's heart is, is grieving, it's broken. How did this happen? We don't know. Again, perhaps because the woman was... Uh, a woman of Canaan, and she was all into these false gods uh, at one time, that, that she had opened the door to the occult in her home, and that's how her daughter had actually came under the power of the devil. That's a good reminder to us as parents that what we do has a direct impact upon our children. Even if you don't think, oh, it's no big deal. Years ago, I remember when my kids were young, I remember stopping on railroad tracks. You know, there was no cars around and no train coming, but I would stop and I would pretend the train was coming. Oh, no, watch out, the train's coming. The kids, oh, no, go, Dad, go, Dad. Only found out years later that it terrified my daughter, Anne. To this day, she's terrified of train tracks. I was just trying to be funny, you know, and she's got these scars for life. I didn't know. As parents... What we do has a direct impact upon our children. What movies we watch on TV, what we say in the home uh, or to other people. If we're always talking bad about other people, they're going to pick up on that. At the same time, we need to consider that the good impact that our lives as parents can make upon our children or for many of us upon our grandchildren. 
the good things that we want, the kindness that we show people, the kind things we say about people, the example of Christ that we show to them in the home and the way we live can have a huge impact upon our children. Either way, we are going to influence our children either for good or for evil. Now, I don't know what caused this in this young girl's life. Whatever the case, one thing was clear. This young girl was in trouble and only Jesus could help her. And so this mom cries out, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. She's acknowledging she's a sinner. She's not worthy. She comes with no demands before God. Now, it's also worth noting that this is the only time we know of where the Lord actually left the country and went to this place known as Tyre and Sidon. This was outside of Israel. He'd been ministering in Jerusalem and in the Galilee. It was exciting. People were embracing him. Then suddenly, he just picks it up and, and he leaves, goes out of the country and to all places, Tyre and Sidon. No doubt his disciples are perplexed by this move. But the Lord knew what he was doing. He knew he had a divine appointment. He knew that he would encounter this very woman and he came to her. Even though she thought it was all her idea, we see God's hand in it all the way. And that's the way it was. God knows what's going on in each one of our lives. And, and he knows when to show up and when to move. Nothing takes our Lord by surprise. This brings us to point number two, a determined mother. Look at verse 23. She comes to Jesus asking for mercy, but he answered her not a word, and his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. Have you ever got up to someone and asked them a question and had them completely ignore you? They don't even acknowledge your presence. Let me rephrase that. Have you ever called AT&T for customer service? You know what I'm talking about. They don't want to talk to you. It's frustrating. Here's this woman. She's clearly present. Everybody knows that she's crying loudly. Son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is severely demon possessed. And Jesus doesn't even look at her. Doesn't make eye contact with her. He doesn't say a word to her. He seems disinterested. He seems like he doesn't care. Now the disciples... They misinterpret Jesus' reaction as a clear rejection. And so they say, Lord, get rid of her. She's making all this noise. And it certainly seems like she's making a scene because it appears she's saying this over and over and over again. And finally the disciples say, she's bothering us. Tell her to go away. Here's what's really happening. Jesus, being God, could see into this mother's heart. He could see that she had great faith. And he was going to give her that opportunity to demonstrate it. He wanted to show her off as an example to his disciples who were so often lacking in faith, what real faith looked like. And I might add, faith of a Gentile, a non-Jew. But the gospel is for everyone. He was also trying to teach them and in turn teach us how to pray effectively. Granted, sometimes the hardest response to accept is a no response at all. Sometimes we come before the Lord and we pray for something. We believe it, the will of God. Lord, Lord, save my child. Lord, save my husband. Lord, Lord, send an awakening in America. These are good prayers to pray. But when we don't get a response from heaven, we misinterpret that as rejection. But maybe the Lord is just trying to, to draw us out. Perhaps God wants us to learn how important persistent prayer really is. These are not barriers that the Lord was erecting, but a bridge to a blessing that this mom had to cross. She had to rise to the occasion. She had to do something. He did this. Jesus did this on another occasion as well. Do you remember the story of the rich young ruler who came to Jesus? This materialistic young 
man came to Jesus, probably pulled out in a, you know, pulled up in his tricked out chariot, spinner rims, you know, wearing the finest designer clothes money could buy. And he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, well, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not lie. Honor your father and your mother. This brash young man says, all of these I've kept since I was a boy. Now, it would make sense to me at that point if we read, then Jesus slapped him up, upside his head for lying. <laughs> he just moved on. He doesn't say that. It makes sense to me, but there's no way he kept all the commandments. No one ever has. But the Bible says Jesus looked at him and loved him. And then said, this is one thing you lack. Go sell everything that you have. Give the money to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven and come and follow me. The Bible concludes the story by saying that young man went away sorrowful because he was a man of great wealth. What's the moral of that story? Is it that rich people can't get into heaven? No. The moral of the story is that the man had possessions, but the possessions had him. Rather, not that the man had possessions, but the, the possessions had him. He couldn't give it up. didn't want to give it up. Jesus didn't want the man's stuff. He wanted his heart. That's why he told him to get rid of it. In that case, it looked as though the Lord was putting a barrier up, but if this man truly wanted to know Jesus, he would have risen to the occasion. He would have said, no problem. Anything else you want, I just want to follow you. But because he wasn't a true seeker, he turned away. He didn't want to know God. Otherwise, he would have risen to the occasion. Coming back to the story of this woman, when the barrier was put up for her, <clears throat> it was not a barrier at all. In fact, it becomes something of a bridge. She was so determined that she would not go away until she found a way. Reminds me of a story that I read about a little ant that was carrying a very large piece of straw a very long distance. He's really bowing beneath the weight of it. To make matters worse, he comes to what looks like the Grand Canyon. He thought, I have this huge piece of straw I can barely carry, and now I have to cross this, this over this. What am I going to do? Suddenly, he dawned, uh, dawned on the ant that his burden could become a bridge to help him through his problem. He took the straw, pushed it across the crack, <clears throat> walked across the top of it, picked it up, and carried it on. True story. No, I mean... <laughs> Listen, many times, the things that look like the worst-case scenario may be the hand of God in our lives. Yeah, it's a sad thing that this, this daughter was demon-possessed, but it brought this woman to Jesus. It got her praying. It got her looking to the Lord, and she got an answer. But I'm sure it's not the answer she was looking for. Look at verse 24. We read, But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And that was Jesus' main purpose. When God sent His Son, He sent Him, it was to the people of Israel. This is a Jewish Bible, and, and Jesus was a Jewish Messiah, is a Jewish Messiah, but He was also sent to the whole world. That whoever believes in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life, John 3.16. So when this determined mom heard Jesus say He was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, what does she do? Does she just kind of bow her head and walk away, kind of bummed out? Does she give up because God didn't answer the prayer the way she wanted Him to? No. Look at verse 25. tells us, Then she came and worshipped, worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. She was determined, but she was also humble. And she comes in humility. She had no other place to turn. No doubt she tried everything, all the self-help programs, all the medicines, maybe even tried religion with its rules and regulations. Maybe she tried to isolate her daughter with restraint, but nothing worked. 
Listen, we can try and find solutions to deal with spiritual problems outside of God, but let me tell you, they'll never work. And then when we do turn to God, like this woman did, non-believers, they'll say, well, why turn to God? Should have gone to this counselor or this, this specialist. Uh, I mean, isn't there something else you could have done? Yeah, could have turned to God first. <laughs> but this woman has it right. She knows where to turn. She cries out in verse 25, Lord, help me. Again, when your child is sick or need of help, it is you who feels the pain as well. And Jesus is the right and first place to turn to, and this mother knew it. Then as she persists, look what Jesus says to her in verse 26. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. They might say, Well, how cruel, calling her a dog. But in fairness, we need to take this in context and, and understand that Jesus didn't use a certain he did use a certain term for dog that's different than just, just a dog. Two different terms for dogs, you know, back then. You know, you had the, the, the mangy dogs that roamed the streets and caused all sorts of trouble and impact. But then you also had the pets, you know. The dogs that would live around the master's table. They were the family pet. Little dogs or puppies were another way to translate it. And that's the phrase Jesus used. It's not fit to take the food that falls from the master's table and throw it to the little puppies. An affectionate term. But still, he was referring to her as a little dog. But then I love this verse 26. And she said, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. That was so true. You know what? Still true today. My daughter's dog, Bentley, knows this principle quite well. He depends upon it. If food falls on the floor, it's his. That's why, you know, when he's at our house, he loves when my grandkids come over. Because there's more on the floor than there is in the high chair. And he has a feast. And you know what? I love it because I don't have to sweep the floor. But I love that she says even the puppies get something. Actually, back then, they didn't have napkins. And so they would eat with their hands. And when they were done with the oils on their hands, they would take the bread, they would dry off their hands with the bread, and then throw it to the, to the dog, to their pets down below. But what a great answer this is. Because she was a true seeker, she rises to the challenge. Even the little puppies get something. I think when she said that, a smile came across Jesus' face. I think, you know, that, that she could see what, what he was up to right off the bat. I see what he's doing. He's trying to draw me out. He wants to see how determined I am. And I think at that point, she knew that the Lord was about to work in a mighty way. And that brings us to our third point, a delighted mother. Look at verse 28. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. So when this woman said, even the little puppies get the food that drop on the ground, I'm sure that just touched Jesus' heart. So he responds, that's right. Whatever you want, it's yours. Now, picture the disciples. Their jaws probably dropped to the ground. I mean, he goes from ignoring her to referring to her as a little puppy to saying he will give her whatever she wants. Let me ask you this. What would you do if God came to you and said, I will give you whatever you want? Whatever you're praying for is yours. Mom, what would you ask for? Think about it. Anything. Just one dinner. That's all I want where I can sit through an entire meal without getting up and wiping up a spill. How about just one day without a complaint over what the meal consisted of? Or one night's rest where you don't have to get up and fix bottles or change diapers or calm one of the children? 
maybe go through one day without the kids fighting and they're in their 40s. No, you just, no. If you know your Bibles, you know that God actually came to a man named Solomon and, and asked him the very same thing. I'll give you whatever you want. What would you pray for if God gave you carte blanche? Some would pray for silly things. But Solomon, being a man of wisdom, he prayed for the right thing. He prayed that God would give him wisdom to rule over his people. And the Lord said, paraphrased in Second Chronicles 1.11, because you've not prayed for riches and honor and, and all the rest, I'm going to give you wisdom that you ask for plus riches and honor. Why? Because his heart was in the right place. This is something we need to keep in mind. I think definitely we need to be praying for wisdom and ruling over our little people. Honestly, I think if God came to me and said, I'll give you whatever you want, Tom, the best response would be, Lord, why don't you decide for me? You know, why don't you choose? Because frankly, I don't know what I need. Half the time, I don't even know what I want. Again, though, why did Jesus give this woman carte blanche? Two reasons. I think first, because of her persistence, her tenacity, her, her commitment. When the door was shut, she just kept on knocking. When Christ called her a dog, she just picked up what he said and, and, and just kind of turned it around. She had faith. She simply would not go home without the answer to this prayer. She knew that Jesus could do what needed to be done. She reminds us of Jacob when he was wrestling with God. Ultimately said, I will not let you go until you bless me. This is a reminder to us when we are praying. If at first you don't succeed, keep praying, keep seeking, keep asking, keep knocking. Don't give up. So many times we throw in the towel way too quickly. Well, I prayed twice. Nothing happened. Well, you know, listen, God cares and He knows. The answer may not be today, but it may be tomorrow. You see, just as important as the will of God is, it's also the timing of God. The timing of God. Bible says he makes everything beautiful in his time. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but I, I can at times be very impatient. You know, I want patience and I want it right now. <laughs> if that web page doesn't open up within a nanosecond, I'm clicking something else. I'll look somewhere else. You know, but it's different for the Lord. If you want an answer to that prayer, you have to wait for it. Wait on the Lord for his perfect timing to accomplish his will. Listen to Psalm 27, 14. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So this woman was persistent and kept praying. She was acting like a true intercessor for her daughter. And an intercessor is someone who stands in the gap and prays for another. How about that? Are you interceding on behalf of someone right now? Maybe a child, maybe a husband, maybe a neighbor, maybe a wife, someone that you're praying over and over. Don't give up. Don't give up. Moses was a classic example of an intercessor. In Exodus chapter 32, there's an account where Moses pleaded with the Lord and was praying on behalf of Israel. It says there, Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, these people have committed a great sin and have made for themselves a God of gold. Yet now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, I pray, blot me out of your book which you have written. In the original Hebrew, there's an interesting pause, a pause that lasted quite a long time. If you will forgive their sin, says pause. You see the line there, pause, pause. Then he says, if not, then blot my name out of the book of life. Wow, that's an intercessor. And Moses had to think about what he was saying for that moment. Lord, if it would help, 
I would give up my own hope for heaven if you would save them. I would go to hell if I could be assured that they would go to heaven, basically is what he was saying. Fortunately, we don't have to trade our eternal hope for, for someone else's, but it does show us what an intercessor does. They stand in the gap. They don't give up. They keep praying. What a great example it is for us as parents, praying for our children. Keep praying for our loved ones. Maybe you have a daughter or son who's taken a prodigal turn. Keep praying for them. Stay with it. Your kids can escape your presence, but they can't escape your prayers. You know, wherever they go, you can keep praying for them. Don't believe the lies of the devil. It's, oh, it's too late. You know, someone's too far gone. Listen, the devil is the father of lies. You keep praying for that person. God wants to save them even more than you want them to be saved. See, when you pray for someone to come to God, you're reflecting God's heart towards a lost world. You are right on track. You're praying according to God's will. Second reason the Lord gave her what she asked for is she, she got her will aligned to His. Many times as moms and, and grandmothers and all of us, we don't know exactly what to pray for our children. We pray things like, well, bless, bless my, my son, provide for him, find him a nice wife that loves you, keep him in good health. You don't normally pray, Lord... Let my child go through a time of suffering. Let them go through some difficulty. I mean, think about this. If you were Joseph's mom, Rachel, how would you have prayed for Joseph? Would you have prayed, Lord, let my son be hated by his brothers. Lord, would you let him be sold into slavery? Could you cause him to be falsely accused of rape? Could you cause him to be thrown into prison? What mother in her right mind would have prayed like that? But that's what happened in Joseph's life. It was a a part of the sovereign will of God to accomplish His purposes in Joseph's life. And then God used Joseph so mightily to save many people alive. What if you've been Daniel's? What if you have been Daniel's mom? Would you have prayed, Lord, let Daniel and all of Israel be taken captive by the Babylonians. And one day, Lord, would you let my son Daniel be thrown into a lion's den because of his unwillingness to compromise? Of course not. You wouldn't pray that. But then God, God saved Daniel and used him mightily to give us a glimpse of what life will be like right before Jesus returns. Or imagine this. What if you've been Mary, the mother of Jesus? Would she have prayed, Lord, anything but crucifixion? I know he's the son, son of God. I know he's dying for the sin of the world, but not like that. Don't forget, she was still a mom and her son is hanging on that cross. A son that she loved. Those once tiny hands had now spikes driven through them and a crown of thorns pressed upon it said he was suffering. There was real blood flowing from his veins. She carried that baby in her womb at one time. Now her heart was broken. Even as, as, as Jesus was on the cross, he looked down at John the Apostle and said, Son, behold your mother. Looking over to Mary, said, Woman, behold your son. In other words, John, you're going to have to take care of my mom from now on. Mary, this is your new son. He's going to care for you. The fact of the matter is that it was God's will to bring this about so we could all come into His kingdom. Listen, I'm not suggesting that we pray for bad things for our kids. I, I, I am suggesting that you say, Lord, bless my child. Keep him close to you, them close to you. Protect them. Keep them in good health. But always end that prayer with, not my will, but yours be done. Because He knows exactly, absolutely what's best for them and us. It's been said, don't be afraid to commit an unknown future to a known God. Know this. Whatever happens, it is run through God's grid of love for you and yours first. And He will work all things together for good to those who love Him and those that are called according to His purpose.
And I have to say this is very true in my life personally. I, I married an amazing woman, my wife Lisa, and, and she's a great mom. I'm blessed beyond measure. Me coming to faith in Christ was the result of her being in a car accident when she was 15 years old. And I, and I wanted to see her healed. I wanted to see her walk again. And being in the faith that I was, a kid, Roman, Roman Catholic faith, I, I thought if I do a lot of these good things, I clean up my life and then God has to heal her. And I'm searching and searching for God. I'm not understanding why. And I say this all the time. I look for God to, to heal my wife and instead He saved my life. If you seek Him, you'll find Him, the Bible says. And so bad things happen. And God didn't answer my prayer. You know, my wife said it'll be 47 years uh, this Memorial Day weekend. Five kids later, six grandkids later. I've learned to pray, Lord, whatever you want. God, for my life, is what I want. Your will to be done. So the Lord says, what do you want? We should pray, Lord, I'm not really sure. I want your blessings upon my my children, but I want what you want. I've come to discover that your plans are better than my own. Here he or she is. I commit them to you. This woman got her will in alignment with God, and that's the key to prayer. It's not to make God do what I think He ought to do. It's to find out what God wants to do and get in sync with it. Martin Luther put it this way, By our praying, we are instructing ourselves more than Him. John put it this way in 1 John 3.22, And whatever we ask, whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. Now this, Jesus doesn't offer carte blanche just to anyone. For those that think that they can, you know, those that are motivated by greed need not apply. Only that humble person who's not questioning God's will but surrendering to it does he offer such a possibility. Jesus said to this woman, let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Why? Because she was a mom of great faith. Great faith will do three things. Great faith takes God at his word. Great faith will not let go until God meets the need. And great faith holds on to the smallest encouragement. Now, there may be some of you here this morning, and you may be saying, well, I've been praying about this for a long, long, long time, and I haven't received an answer for what I'm going through with the Lord right now. If you believe in Jesus, you will. If you, as this woman did, are determined to ask until God answers, He will answer. may not be the answer you want but it will be the answer that you need. This woman was a desperate mother, a determined mother, and a delighted mother because she believed in the power of Jesus. So keep on believing that He can and will give you what you need and you won't be disappointed. You will be delighted. Jesus gave an incredible promise on how to have answered prayer. It's found in John 15, 7 when He said, If you abide in Me and My words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done into you. In other words, if you maintain a, a living communion with me, if you're in my word, if your word has a place, a home in your heart, ask at once for yourself whatever your heart desires, and it'll be yours. Spurgeon put it this way, when you, ha- when, when you have great desires for heavenly things, when your desires are such as God approves of, when you want what God wants, then you'll have what you like. I like that. What do you need from Jesus today? Is it the salvation of a child? Husband, wife? Is it mom or dad? Is it a husband that doesn't know the Lord? Maybe it's a husband that knows the Lord but isn't walking with him as he should. Maybe it's the other way around, a wife. Maybe it's something else. 
Bring it before the Lord. Don't give up. Don't stop praying. Follow the example of this woman. You may say, well, I'm not worthy for God to answer that prayer of mine. No, you're not. (laughs) None of us are. But did Christ ever say that you were a dog? No. (laughs) He pretty much told this woman that she was, but she held on to him by faith and prevailed. Oh, but I prayed for such, such a long time. So did she. She prayed, and for a while she received no answer. Oh, but I feel worse after I prayed. So did she. Instead of getting comfortable, a comfortable answer, she heard Jesus say, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. See, you can't be in a worse place than she was. But the devil troubles me. Yeah, well, the devil also troubled her. She pleaded for her daughter who was possessed with the devil. She kept on pleading and kept on believing. She purposed in her heart to have Christ. I would encourage you this morning to do the same, to come to that same determination. For in so doing, I can promise you, you may not get the answer you want, but you'll, you'll get an answer of peace. You'll get a peace in your life that passes understanding. You'll get comfort probably sooner than you thought. Remember that Christ's delays are, are in order to increase our faith. Your faith will grow by exercise. The more you live by it, the stronger it gets. You know, this, this truth in Hebrews eleven sixteen says it all. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For you who comes to God must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Hebrews eleven six. Diligently seek Him by faith and He will meet you where you're at and increase your faith. But it starts with you taking that step of faith. Listen, as we close, we, we've been talking about praying for people who aren't right with the Lord. Maybe you're one of those people. Maybe your life isn't where it is right now, where it should be spiritually. Maybe you're a man or a woman been run, running from God. But you know, it, it's, it's Mother's Day and you came to church and said, alright mom, I'll go to church with you. Listen, if you want to do your mom a favor, better yet, do yourself a favor, stop running from God. Run to Him. Whatever you have done, whatever sins you have committed, God can forgive you if you come to Him today and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Listen, like this woman, when she first approached the Lord, she said, Lord, have mercy upon me. That's what you need to do. God, I am a sinner. I have broken your commandments. Have mercy on me. See, that was the problem again with the rich young ruler. He said, you know, Jesus told him to, to keep the commandments. And he said, all these I've kept since I was young. He was a liar. He'd not, he'd not kept them. Jesus is the only one that kept the commandments of God. Everyone breaks them. He kept them all. That's why he's the only one uh, who could give his life for years. He was without sin. So he became sin for us. That's why he died on the cross. That's why he shed his blood for you and for me, for the sins of the world. Have you turned to Him and asked Him to be your Savior? Have you put your faith and trust in Him? The Syrophoenician believed Christ has got her to come to her senses. Tragedy drove her to Jesus. She said, Lord, have mercy on me. And He did. Have you said, Lord, have mercy on me? God, I'm sorry for my sin. If not, I want to give you that invitation as soon as service is over. Please, come up and talk to me. Let me know you want to make that commitment to follow Jesus Christ. And I'd love to give you a Bible for free, <laughs> let you know what it means to follow Jesus and let you know what it means to, to walk with the Lord. Now as we close, one more thing I'd like to do is that I would like all the women to stand up, not just, just the moms, all the women, because I think, again, I think this should be called Women's Day. So if I could have all the ladies stand up, because I want to pray for the ladies, including all the moms. And I want the worship team to come on up front too. Have the worship team come on up and... and uh, 
Doesn't matter how old you are. If you're female, and we know gender in our church. <laughs> All the ladies stand up. Patrick, sit back down. I'll pray for you in a minute. I saw you stand up. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these ladies standing here today. Moms or not, Lord, we've all had a mom and we thank you for them and the gift of love and the care that they gave to us. And Father, I pray for all these ladies here this morning that you would increase their faith. Lord, that you would encourage them today, especially the moms. I know it can be quite difficult living in the times that we live raising children. Lord, give them wisdom and grace each and every day as they seek to raise their children in your ways. Lord, is for us men as husbands in the church, that we would be the spiritual leaders you've called us to be for our wives and, and for you and not leave all the responsibility on our wives. It's not their calling. Lord, I pray for all of us this morning that we would walk in faith, believing God that you desire to do great and mighty things in all of our lives. If we would just step out in faith and believe. Give us that faith, we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.